Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. This is our 58th episode, our Shaq Barrett episode, if you will. And I'm joined this evening by both of my co-hosts, Scott Capron and Bodan Yard. We have a special guest this evening in what is his first appearance on the Bucks Banter Podcast, but hopefully not his last. He's been covering the Bucks and the NFL for a number of years now. He's one of the most talented writers in the business, currently covering both the Bucks and Commanders for Sports Illustrated. He is also the host of the extremely popular popular Locked On Bucks podcast at dharrison82 on Twitter. Welcome to the show, David Harrison. What's up, guys? Appreciate the invite. Appreciate you having me in. Hey, man. Happy to have you on, David. And, um, I mean, I love learning from you, working with you now at SI and getting to read your writing on the, on the regular. Not like I wasn't reading it before, but uh, I get to learn from you a little bit. So that's nice. Yeah, anything I can do to help anybody else, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I appreciate you. And I'm sure many of those listening are very familiar with your work, David. But for anyone who isn't, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up covering the Bucks? Like what led you to covering the Buccaneers? I, I assume Bucks Nation was where you where you first started, but I, I'll let you kind of take no. the floor and tell us. Yeah, Bucks Nation is not at all where I started. So <laughs> um, when, I, when I decided to get into sports media, uh, I think I still had – I think I still had about five or six years left uh, before I could retire out of the army. And that's what I did for the first 20 years of my adult life. And um, yeah, honestly, uh, before that, I was just a, an Ohio State fan on Twitter who did what most college football fans, especially Ohio State fans, honestly do and talk trash to other uh, you know, non-Ohio State fan bases and all that, which is why William Golston has me blocked on Twitter. That's great. Um, so uh, I, I literally I just sent out a tweet and I said, you know, I'm going to I'm trying to break into to sports media. Like if anybody has any advice or, or opportunities, you know, I'm a hard worker. I think I'm a quick learner, uh, stuff like that. And I got hit up by, uh, by someone and I wish I could remember his name now, but um, he ran his own website called profootballspot.com. And uh, he hit me up. He's like, Hey man, he's like, you know, perfect site for you. You can learn. Um, I got some experienced writers. I'm not some experienced writers only, only catches. I can't pay you. Um, you know, he was hoping to build it into something bigger and eventually be able to pay us. I said, look, you know, I'm literally just looking for experience. So uh, I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm down. He gave me a list of teams that he needed coverage on. Um, and honestly, the Buccaneers was just the team that I probably knew the best out of the out of the available options. I don't remember all of them now, uh, but the Buccaneers was probably just the one that I knew the most of because I was a big Rondé Barber fan. Obviously, I knew about the Buccaneers defense back then. I was a big Warwick Dunn fan. Uh, so on and so forth. So I just kind of had some knowledge about the Buccaneers team. So I picked them, uh, went there, met uh, Mike Kiwak, who's uh, still a good friend of mine. He's actually a writer at BucksNation.com right now. And Gabe Burns, who is actually now uh, one of the main sports writers for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, covers the Braves, the Falcons, uh, all that stuff. Met some other guys. You know, um, uh, John Ledger is probably the most most famous of them. He was He was working there. At the time, and I actually did some draft work for him. He sent me the 2015 Ohio State Pro Day. Uh, some other guys are just kind of out and about 
in the sports world. Eventually, pro football spot kind of went under. Uh, the creator, he went back to, I think he's like a lawyer, and a super rich guy, basically just living the dream. And then uh, Fansided hit me up and joined Fansided, and that's where I had the unfortunate pleasure of meeting James Yarko. We uh, teamed up there uh, with uh, the great Alan Schechter, may he rest in peace, and he put us together and, and really kind of made us a team. Bailey Adams eventually uh, jumped on. Now he's with Pewter Report. And, yeah, and then uh, this year jumped over to Sports Illustrated, for uh, BucksGameDay.com, Bailey went to uh, Pewter Report, and James is still over there running uh, the SB Nation staff. So, yeah, it's mm. uh, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That's all super interesting, uh, David. I didn't hear anything after the Ohio State. Um, yeah, aspect. No, most people uh, don't. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, I really can't kind of get over it. So that's great <laughs> that you did all that other stuff. No, I mean, with you know. We can let it we can let it go for now, but wow, what a haymaker off the top. Colin, maybe a little preparation. I don't know, maybe just <laughs> you know, dropping this bomb on us. Of course I go and grab a Michigan hoodie out of everything too that I went yeah, to hey, that yeah. Live it up. Hey. Live it up. Yeah, forty two twenty seven. Um yeah. anyway, but yep. yeah, that's that's all those are some great that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I I mean the fact that you kind of stumbled into the Bucks is great too, because it's kind of just worked out for all the Bucks fans. So we get who get to consume your work. Yeah um so you're in you're in tampa you're, you're mm-hmm. covering uh day one of the joint practices today how hot was it out of there out there first of all david and just what were some of the biggest observations obviously there were some injury issues i don't know if you mm-hmm. you have any updates on that that but anything else that jumped out at you feel free to just fill us in here man yeah so today was actually one of the better weather days i mean the the, the breeze was coming through and there was a little bit of cloud cover uh here here and there so <clears throat> excuse me um but the day, I mean, it was electric, you know, and, and from the beginning, uh, the Bucks came out, stretched out. They did a little bit of a little bit of install, a little bit of walkthrough work before they really started hitting the practice. The Dolphins were kind of doing their thing uh, on the side as well. And then they came together in the middle of the field. And, you know, again, nobody nobody really knows, you know, what was actually said. But, you know, the the impression or the understanding, the assumption rather, is is that we're, you know, is, hey, you know, let's let's be clean. Let's give some, each other some good work. Let's be physical, compete. Uh, but, you know, remember that it's a brotherhood. Uh, and all those things. And, you know, I was, I was making jokes with James when we were recording our episode. I said, next thing I know, I'm getting tweets that Leonard Fournette just jaw-jacked Christian Watkins. So apparently that didn't last <laughs> very, very long. Um, but James was over on the offensive side. So the Bucks, uh, Bucks offense, Dolphins defense were on the field nearest to the fans, which is which is great because obviously, you know, that's what they want to see. Bucks defense and Dolphins offense started on the middle field. Uh, I was watching the Bucks defense, so I was there. James was at the offense. So that great play of the day that Julio made, uh, you know, uh, mossing one of the young Miami DBs. You know, I didn't get to see that. James got to see that. He got to see Kate Otten laying out for a pass uh, as well, a, a standout from from Kate. But for the defense in, in those sessions, you know, playing physical, playing fast, and I think that's really the biggest thing because this Miami Dolphins offense, that's what they're going to do all year. They're going to challenge people's speed, and they're going to challenge their conditioning. And, I mean, the Dolphins played sideline to sideline all the way up and down the field, crossing patterns, misdirection, all of it. And – uh, the Bucks defense held up very, very well. And, and I think probably the most encouraging things that you could probably take away from it is the fact that Levante David and Devin White were on the field participating, but they were actually out on some of the first team reps because they were just, you know, just resting. You don't want to push your guys too hard and risk losing one of those starters. So KJ Britt, uh, guys like him, Grant Stewart was in there with the with the locks flowing, and they were still holding up. Even going up against the, the Dolphins first team offense, they were still playing in there as linebackers and doing a really good job. KJ Britt. A couple of examples made some really smart checks 
uh, on the line at the line of scrimmage, really directing the defensive line. Ended up filling the run fits really well. Uh, stopped an, an edge attempt, uh, an outside sweep attempt on a run, um, but then also stuffed it in between the tackles run as well. Uh, the Dolphins did. They did a little bit of damage. They got a couple edge runs um, on them. You know, there was one play where Levante got sealed off and uh, Chase Edmonds was able to break it out and get a pretty good run out of them. But for the most part, what you want to see against an offense like that, keeping the lid on them, you know, okay, kept everything inside of them. Tyreek Hill didn't have any, you know, super highlight plays where he's running, you know, 60 yards down the field or anything like that. And honestly, I was kind of waiting for it because they ran a lot of single high coverage uh, with that. And when you got a guy like uh, Tyreek Hill and then you got Jalen Waddle on the field as well and even Trent Sherfield, who has some underrated speed, you're almost kind of waiting for that moment where someone just gets caught slipping a little bit uh, and they get that big play, but it really never came. Uh, and then finally, rookie Zion McCollum uh, stayed with his guys really, really well. And even in one-on-ones, I was going up against a guy, gave him four or five shakes. He didn't bite on any of them. Uh, it was just in great position to make the play. So from the veterans to the young guys, you just have to really like uh, what you see from the team. And then the defense comes away with two interceptions in the process. No bias there in the Zion McCollum uh, reference. I know that's your boy, David. You wanted him. You wanted him in the draft. You got your guy. That's awesome. You caught up with him today, right? I caught up with him today and yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Zion's, you know, he's he's a great guy, and that's kind of one thing I was I was telling James. I was able to get here a day before him, so I was able to kind of tell him some of the things. Zion, I mean, he's he, you know, he's a rookie, so he gets coached hard sometimes. uh, But you just tell he loves the game, and as soon as that helmet comes off, he's smiling. As soon as the helmet goes on, he's smiling like this. This kid is just—he's just—he's just living uh, the dream, as they say, and uh, you know, takes all the coaching to heart, goes out there and puts it to practice. And and I was talking to Maddie Matera uh, from Pewter Report today, and we we're just kind of, you know, I don't say in awe, but we we're just, you know, kind of admiring the fact that all the tools are there. You can see the speed, the footwork, the agility, the body control, uh, his, his ability to pace and then stay with his receivers through every part of the route, from whether it's the release or the stem or the break. And what you really want to start seeing maybe, you know, from an improvement standpoint is a little bit more physicality at the line of scrimmage, but I think that'll come with confidence, you know, because uh, it's, it's kind of like basketball, right? You reach, I teach, and you don't want to, as a rookie, you don't want to reach too far in press coverage, and then you end up getting burned because, you know, if the guy gets off the release like that uh, too well, you're just, there's there's nothing you can really do after that point. So uh, the, I think that will come with confidence, and it's probably going to take a full, you know, year or two to really get completely there, but you definitely see the athleticism and the potential. And, I mean, look, he had some wins uh, against Jalen Waddle and, and even Tyree Kill today. Uh, and I talked to him walking off the field, not a not a full blown recorded or anything, but just kind of catching up with him and talking to him. And I said to him, I was like, man, I was like, you know, I was like, where's the confidence? I was like, because you've been going up against red jerseys, you know, this whole time. That's great. And you're going up against teammates, really good teammates, and you're getting some wins. I was like, well, what's it feel like to get on there with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle uh, and still have wins against opponents that really want to go out there and make you look bad? And he just had that smile and he's just like, yeah, I mean, he's like, that really boosts the confidence. So he can't wait for tomorrow. And then even more for Saturday. That's huge. And like, just uh, of all, I mean, any rookie can get exposed and it, it, you know, once you actually yeah. get out there, it's, it's, it's just totally different. Right. But especially someone in the secondary, it's like, okay, no, I'm actually out there. And just as David said, it's like, how'd you actually feel being out there against Waddle and Hill? It's just a different animal, right? It's just a different beast. Yeah. So for him to, to gain confidence, see what it's actually like and know that he can go out there and actually perform. Like I know it's early, but that's huge. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it really is. And it, it does help the confidence. And again, you know, he every time he gets a chance to go up against some of the top competition in the NFL and, you know, he wasn't on him on every rep, you know, or anything like that, no. just here and there. Uh, but then, you know, you also see the trust in the defensive staff or at least the willingness to go out there and test them. Because, uh, again, even when Zion and the second team defense is on the field, they're still running single high coverage against a lot of speed. Um, so, you know, they're leaving Zion out there by himself 
with very little top coverage. So it speaks a lot to what the coaches see in him and also what he's confident in, in uh, himself. For sure. And, and David, did you get like, how was, you mentioned a lot of like, you know, lateral or, or horizontal plays, get those guys open in space is surely going to be a big part of their offensive scheme. Hopefully they have one offensive coordinator in Miami this year, not to make things a little easier on Tua. Um, but how did Tua's arm look? Like, uh, you know, his arm looked good. I mean, his arm looked pretty much what it is. He, he didn't take a lot of deep shots. I'm hoping to see a little bit more of that tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, but I think really what stood out the most for me for Tua was his decision making. You know, uh, he, he looks like a quarterback that has gotten smarter over the offseason from his previous NFL experience. And there was one specific play uh, during. So they did one session of 11 on 11s where they were moving the ball. So as they gained yards, they were letting them move. And they got towards kind of, kind of in the red zone. If memory serves, they're probably about the, around the 12 or 15 yard line. Uh, so, you know, you have four chances. There's no kicking in, in that type of a drill. So you've got four chances, basically, try to get into uh, the end zone. Now, the Buccaneers defense ends up, you know, coming up with the win. They go through four plays. They don't get in the end zone. So they kind of reset the ball and start start going through drills again. So that's the positive for Bucks fans, right? But from a Tua standpoint, there's one specific play where he drops back. You know, eventually the pass protection breaks down. He starts getting pressure. So he kind of steps up and probably you know in earlier days that's that's a point where he basically tries to tuck the ball and run but he's trying to sit there and, and keep his eyes downfield keep his feet moving uh, and i just happen to basically be standing right in front of him and as he finds a space in the in the pocket to step up into i'm watching him and i see his eyes scan across the field and he finds a guy uh, number 85 i believe for the dolphins uh river craycraft uh, i'm sure i butchered that sorry um but number 85 for the Miami Dolphins is coming across formation. Carlton Davis is in trail technique. You know, they're just playing backyard football at that point in time. Uh, but Carlton was right with them. And Tua decides to try to put the ball in there, try to give his guy a chance to, to make a play. And he's on the move, off balance. I mean, his body was about in a 45-degree angle at the point. Uh, but he throws it in there left-handed to the right side of the end zone. And, you know, it, it fell incomplete because Carlton was in great coverage. But the great thing about that throw from a, from an analysis standpoint is the only person that could have made a play on that ball was his guy. Either his guy was coming down mm -hmm. with it with a touchdown or they were going to get the next play. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, they got the next play. Uh, goes to Mike Gusecki. Uh, I can't remember who the DB, the Bucks DB was uh, that was on coverage, but he actually got beat. Mike Gusecki dropped the ball. Um, but, of course, you know, DB celebrate that anyway. So. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, so – so you, you've mentioned Carlton Davis. Obviously, he yeah. it sounds like he caught your attention today, just looking really ready to play. And and he's he's talked it up a little bit this preseason. Um, or sorry, this offseason. But you, you like to see that from him. So it's great to see he's backing it up. The uh, unofficial depth chart was released this week, and Sean Murphy Bunting was listed as a CB2. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, David. I would have expected Jamel Dean's name to be on uh, right there. Um, yep. you, you, you have more history with how this works and, you know, there's some politics involved. There's some mind games. I don't know if that's at play Do the bucks coaches really like Sean Murphy bunting that much. What's your take on that? And how did those guys look today? I mean, they've looked good, you know, I mean, as far as like whether or not they really like Sean Murphy bunting over Jamel Dean, that's not something they're going to tell us, you know, freely. They're not going to tell me that freely. They might tell Greg Allman that freely and let him sit on that for a while and use it when he deems a uh, deems necessary, but they're not going to tell me that freely. I can tell you that. Um, but from from reps right reps are more important than position on depth charts to be quite honest because i mean yeah. you got like tyler johnson might be listed on the third team you know wide receiver group or something like that but he's out there running with tom brady he's out there you know when cam Brady's on the field stuff like that from time to time as well so but jamel dean is i mean he's he's running with the twos sean murphy bunting is running with the ones you know what i mean and that's that's pretty much been consistent uh you know while i've been here and then from what i understand from before i got here um and i think really it's just at the end of the day 
you know, it, it's all about opportunities. And Sean, you know, now he knows, like, he's, for whatever reason it is, he's getting that first opportunity to go out there and prove himself. Jamel's going to get his opportunities as well. There's going to be time where all three of them, you know, CD3 and both those guys are going to be on the field as well. So they're going to have plenty of opportunities. I don't think Jamel is really too worried about his positioning on the depth chart. He's more concerned about just doing his job and playing his game. Because honestly, both those guys have all the potential in the world. And if they both go out there and they perform up to potential, they're both going to get nice contracts this coming off season. It's just most likely one of them is going to get one to stay in Tampa. One is going to get one uh, to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I got to ask which one, based on what you've seen from them so far in their careers, or maybe just your hunch from, from knowing the game, which one would you rather stay in Tampa, David, if you had your way, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. I mean, I like both guys, you know what I mean? But if it were me and I had to make that decision right now, I would probably go with Jamel, which is why it is a little bit of a surprise to me to have to see Jamel is on the second team and Sean is ahead of him. And, and believe me, you're not alone. I'm not alone. There are, there are plenty of guys uh, that are there around the team that were also surprised to see that as well. So I think Jamel just the top line speed and the top end speed. And then he's got a little bit of length, maybe not as much as Sean Murphy punting, but I think overall from a holistic standpoint, you just see a better, more well-rounded cornerback with a, with a little bit of a higher ceiling than Sean. But like I said, they're, they're both really good guys. And I mean, at the end of the day, like that, that's a feather in the, in the cap of, of Jason light because he found both those guys. And, and I remember that year uh, I had to Google, Sean Bunting, you know, he was before he added the Murphy. I had to, I had to, uh, I had to Google Sean Bunting because I was like, because we'd studied DBs all offseason, never even looked at the kid. So I mean, that's just a testament to the the Buccaneer scouting department and to Jason Light. Well said. Shout out to our guy Caleb Skinner, one of the, one of the writers for Bucks Game Day. He he's checking us out. Do y'all think the backyard football play that Mahomes used, which Cheetah benefited from, will translate for Hale over to Tua? Anyone want to take that one? Any thoughts? I, yeah, I'll, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be very worried if two of yeah. doing Mahomes impressions. I I agree. Yeah. <laughs> the just the lack of arm strength relative to Mahomes and just and like this isn't a dig, but Tua is is, is no Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just not gonna be that's not the case at all. Um if if a big portion of the Hill signing for the Dolphins was like a potential high ceiling improv between uh, him and Tua, then I, I, I think they're looking in in the wrong direction. I think it's got to be it's going to be a ton of bubble screens, uh, getting them the ball in space. Make, maybe even maybe even Tyreek's going to be returning kicks and doing whatever they can to get him the ball right. But uh, like short answer, no, no, it won't be the same as it was in KC with him. But and I think just coming out, like a lot of people thought Tua would be like this kind of Russell Wilson impersonator. So I can kind of see what he's getting at. Where, yeah. Okay, you're you're scrambling around a little bit more, but but I, I think from what we've seen, we know that that's not true. So to go even a step higher and say it's Mahomes, yes, yeah, that's so. Like, f- I totally agree, Bo, and that's that that thought kind of popped in my mind while David was talking about uh, uh, two in the offense. It's like, don't you feel like he's a step slower, a little bit less athletic looking than it, than we thought he was going to be coming out of oh, Alabama? Yeah. Like, not that I thought he was going to be a a burner or like a pull it down and run but i thought he would be able to make more guys miss than he has maybe he's almost trying to prove something that he doesn't need to do and he's and he's taking an extra second with the ball to try to find someone downfield but i thought he would be more i don't know exactly like in terms of how elusive he would be but to me he's kind of just like Derek carr like he can make someone miss theoretically but it's not really part of his game at all and i feel like I, i i think i got that wrong i thought he was gonna be able to to make me more people miss when he actually stepped right into the league. But 
David, did you catch any of the offense today with your own eyes, or or were you more you and James are kind of split up? Like I got to ask that before I ask about a few names because I, I don't want to be unfair and ask about yeah, that. yeah, no, absolutely. Eventually, uh, both you know the teams just completely merged into uh, the 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 front field, the field that's right there by the bleachers, and they ran they ran a few sessions, and then they ran uh, the biggest thing is they ran two minute drills uh, against each other to to wrap up the practice. So I so it did eventually. Uh, all come together and saw the Bucks offense against the Dolphins defense and the Dolphins offense against Bucks defense. Awesome. Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna while we're talking about arm strength and Tua Tagovailoa, I might as well ask. I mean, this week, Clyde Christensen, famed quarterback coach, currently for the Buccaneers and with Tom Brady. Apparently, he said Brady's arm looks the best he's ever seen. Um, are you in a position to confirm or contradict such a statement based on what you saw today? His arm is live. I like. I yeah. will tell you, Tom Brady's arm is live. Like that's it's it's about as good as it gets. I mean, you know, it's. I'm in, I'm in a blessed position where you know I also cover the Washington Commanders and I cover them very very closely because I live in that area. Um, so I'm watching Carson Wentz, I'm watching Taylor Heineke, and I'm watching Sam Howell. And the thing about those three quarterbacks is they're all very different quarterbacks from an arm talent standpoint, from a mechanic standpoint, and then from a way that they play the game based on their you know because of their physical attributes. Sam Howell is about as tall as I am, and he's got uh, howitzer on his shoulder, whereas Taylor Heineke is a, probably about an inch or two taller, um, a little bit more athletic, but his arm strength isn't, isn't quite there, so he's got to play the game differently than other quarterbacks do. And then Karsten is the, you know, the towering guy who's also got the arm, but at the same time, sometimes he's got placement issues and, and, and all these things. So it's just a very interesting dynamic of, of how each quarterback is different, and then I get to take those three guys, well, and Cole Kelly too, but he's, he's no longer with the team for a very good reason, but – you know, I take those guys and then I get to come to Tampa and you get to see, you know, the greatest ever do. You could see Tom Brady yeah, and some wow. of the some of the mental processing that that makes him so great and the arm. And then, you know, Kyle Trask and, and the young guy who in, in comparison is is struggling and, and still trying to get his feet under him. And then Blaine Gabbard who's kind of that middle ground, uh, you know, between all the guys. Like you have six quarterbacks, you know, Blaine is, is kind of that middle ground guy where he brings a little bit of flavor of all of them. Um, and then surprisingly enough, actually, for me, to be honest with you, he's the loudest uh, of all of them. And I had to take a double check because I heard somebody cussing somebody out during one of the drills. And uh, I didn't see any coaches' mouths moving. And it was Blaine Gabbard. So I was, I was actually – I don't know. I thought Blaine was just a super nice guy. You know what I mean? And apparently he's uh, he's, he's quite the drill sergeant. So it's it's a very interesting dynamic. But, yeah, man, I mean, Tom looks Who knew? Tom looks Who knew that? Yeah, yeah. It surprised me. I mean – I don't know if it's a daily occurrence, you know, it's just maybe I just caught him on a bad day, but uh, Tom's arm is real, man. I mean, it's I watched. So I was watching the defense, you know, and I joked that Buccaneers fans, they kept cheering, you know, while the Bucks offense was working against the Dolphins defense, it kept cheering and distracting me from my job. Um, and I just happened to look over for a play because they were kind of taking a break over here. Uh, and, and and I see Tom overthrow Tyler Johnson, which obviously you don't want. Right. But the, the way he overthrew him, I mean, that, that ball had to have sailed probably about 20, 25 yards, you know, to get to Tyler. And uh, if Tyler doesn't get up enough, uh, and credit to him for climbing the ladder the way that he did, but if Tyler doesn't get up enough and and get a hand on the ball, I mean, that thing is probably going to sail to about the 15-yard line. I mean, ju- and just – and you're like, that's a bad throw. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what he does on a, on a bad throw, on a misfire. Imagine what he can do uh, for real. And then there was another pass. I can't remember who the target was, but it was between two linebackers. And I mean, oh, you know what? It was to Gio. It was Giovanni Bernard. And I felt bad for that man's hands. Like that that had to hurt. Like there's no way that yeah. ball didn't hurt. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, his his arm is live, man. And it, it he looks he looks really good. Yep. 
That's just so fucking good to hear. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's beyond like state in the obvious and like, of course, and we expect it. And of course, but he's 45. You know what I mean? Like eventually the arm isn't going to be there, but that's all we need from him for, from his game. Like we know the decision-making and he's never going to, he's never been a runner. So it's, it's, it's irrelevant. And the fact that he's still doing this and, you know, ripping people's fingers off or whatever, and being one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time, it's just unbelievable, and it's just, it's just exactly what you want to hear from a Bucks perspective every August. It's like, oh, okay, it's still there. Good, let's go, let's go. Yeah. We're ready. Absolutely, um, David. I want to ask: Did you see Russell Gage go down today? Like, are you concerned? Um, no, you didn't see it. No, well, I was on the defensive end. That was the one on ones. Well, I mean, honestly, both. You know, honestly, um, I was on. I was uh, that was during the one on one. So we had split up. Uh, by then, James saw it. I didn't see it, and I talked to a couple other people uh, who saw it, and they were kind of bouncing around a little bit. And you know, really, at the at the most right now, like, all I can say is you know he reached for his hamstring. So you know, you don't want to go too far beyond that. But uh, Ian Rappaport was on was in was in Tampa today, and oh. uh, I know there was a tweet that came out later that he's he kind of confirmed. I know Jeff Darlington can kind of said something earlier. He was down there today as well, and um, that basically it's it's not feared to be serious. Now, you know, I I don't expect to see Russell this week, Saturday, you know, I maybe for the Titans joint practices, just cause you do want to get him out there against live competition. If you can, as he's continuing to learn the system, but honestly, Russell, I mean, he looks good and he fits what they're asking him to do in the offense. So I think, you know, if, if, if it's me and I'm making the decisions in this case, which I'm obviously not, I, I put him on the shelf until he's absolutely 100%, like not even just feeling yes. better, feeling, feeling good. You know what I mean? Um, because again, just just seeing him in the in the short uh, period of work that I've been able to see so far, he he knows his role. The Bucks know what they want to do with him, and it works. And that's the most important thing. Uh, so they can use this time to get Julio Jones more spun up. Uh, they can use this time as Chris Godwin continues to move in. But then also, I mean, they've got a very hard decision or two or three coming in that wide receiver room. So they just give more and more reps uh, to some of these other guys to start figuring out who it is they want to keep, who it is they think they might be able to stash on the practice squad. And then who it is that maybe they flip for a seventh or six round pick? Any any leans there, David? As yeah. we'll go on with that, I I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Jalen. Like, I, I think Jalen is probably my. I mean, well, so it depends on how people feel about Scotty Miller, right? I know some people think Scotty's a bubble guy. I don't look at Scotty's a bubble guy. So for me, like your roster already has Mike, Chris, uh, Russell, Julio, and Scotty. Like for me, those five to me are in, and so that's kind of where you know, the, the conversation starts. So if, if you yeah. agree or disagree with Scotty's assessment, you know, that's fine. Um, so I would say he's probably the first guy in. And then uh, you're looking at two more receivers, you know, I imagine. So you got Tyler Jalen, uh, Cyril Grayson, who we talked to today as well. Devin Tompkins is making a lot of noise out there. I mean, you've got a very, very hard decision and they're all performing. Like that's yeah the great thing, but also the really hard thing is they're all doing, I mean, Look, guys, Devin Tompkins got first-team reps uh, at times against the Miami Dolphins right. today. So, I mean, this is an undrafted kid out of Utah State who's out there with Tom Brady, you know what I mean? And <laughs> and that's, you know, so in our episode, dropping uh, – well, it's dropping right now, actually. Um, and then dropping in the morning audio-wise, you know, we kind of we kind of state that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won day one. Both teams did well. Both teams have things that they can hang their hat on, but the Buccaneers won. One, because of the takeaways. The Buccaneers had more takeaways stuff like that, but then also the two-minute drill. But then you think about this, the Miami Dolphins, like, yeah, they had a decent day, but they're doing it with their full complement of weapons. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it. Your number one receiver out there 
is Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson. You know what I mean? And yeah. Cam Brate didn't suit up either. So your number one tight end is Kyle Rudolph or Kate Otten. You know what I mean? Guys who have literally less than two weeks of experience in the system. So, I mean, it's just, it's amazing that they were able to compete the way that they were given the circumstances that they're in. I yeah, love that you brought up on that Miami. <laughs> I love that you brought up Devin Tompkins. Cause like, uh, yeah. I literally had a question. I was like, is, is this kid for real? Like, obviously he was prolific as hell in college, but he's five, yeah. eight, like between him and Darden, you can't, can they both, could they both make the team? Like, is it actually possible? Cause he's been I flashing mean, all over the place. Right. Like that's yeah. all you've been hearing. I've said multiple times, just carry 12 of them. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> carry 12 and figure it out later. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean. Good problem to have. Good problem to it, have. It is. It's a great problem to have. The problem is everybody knows you have it. So, I mean, yeah. even a guy like Devin Tompkins. And you, the thing about the NFL, like there's receivers everywhere, right? But there's also receivers getting hurt every day. So, you look at a guy like Devin Tompkins or Tyler Johnson, like there's not, and I've actually had this conversation with Washington beat reporters, there's not a single receiver on the quote-unquote bubble in Tampa that I couldn't slot in Washington's offense right now and, and find a place for them to be extremely successful, especially if you look at like a Curtis Samuel in Washington where, you know, he looks really good when he's on the field, but he's still kind of on and off the field because they're kind of trying to monitor his health. Mm-hmm. Devin Tompkins is a guy, he, he doesn't have the, 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 the pedigree or he doesn't have the establishment, the reputation that Curtis Samuel does, but he can do some similar things to what Curtis Samuel does for an offense. So you try to stash Devin Tompkins, on your practice squad and a Washington commander squad comes calling and says, Hey, we'll sign you to an active contract, put you on our 53 man roster. You don't sit in a practice squad. Tom Brady's great. If you're Devin Tompkins from Utah state, so is being on an active roster. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's going to be hard. I don't like, like I said, I don't know what decision they're going to make, but Devin looks good. He looked good uh, in moments against the Miami dolphins on, on Wednesday. We'll see what he does on Thursday. And then even more importantly, see what he does on Saturday. Man, what a, what a juxtaposition covering, the commander's offense versus the Bucks, eh? Like, <laughs> j- just slightly two different things, just a little bit different. Wentz I, taking, I, listen, I will Wentz tell you, though, commander's offense has practice. potential. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I, I'm cool. leading the Jahan Dotson uh, fan camp, uh, like, uh, traveling yeah. fan camp. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's uh, that's my Jahan guy. Looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Bo, you okay. were on the Washington def- uh, going to be the number one defense in the NFL last year, too. So uh, I, had a, I had a few blow, bold claims last year for sure. I think no, it, we don't we don't have to harass the teams the guy the guest covers right where we would like. To <laughs> I'm not harass. Uh, I just I'm gonna be honest. Hey, look, I'm not on the sec- team. You can harass all you want. I'm not on I'm the team. Be, so it's, it legitimately not, took me, me a second when David said the Commanders, like straight okay. up. Like I really had to think about who. I was like, oh right. Yeah, right. You, okay. your face went a little red when you when you were thinking about that. Well, I was still thinking about the Ohio State stuff, to be completely honest. So <laughs> I'm, it's taking me this long to get through. I think, I, I, Colin, I'm handling it pretty well. Like, that was meant to be Colin. a Redskins yeah. joke, actually. Oh, I know. I was trying to blast oh, okay. past it. Nice. Um, I mean, look, I'm, an Arizona, I'm an Arizona State grad, so I mean, if, if it makes feel any better, like I, that does. I'm just an OSU fan from being raised by a father who grew up outside of Columbus. I'm an Arizona State uh, graduate, so my Sun Devils are my guys as well. Okay. That takes a bit of the sting off. That <laughs> okay. Does help. I, we got to let David get out of here. He's been super generous for this time. I got one question though. I got to ask you before you dip out, mm-hmm. David, if you're good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hainsey, it was, it was a false alarm. Uh, he right. came up with cramps today, but I yeah. did sense a very like immediate alarming feeling when that occurred. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm curious, like, you know, this O line, it kind of just dawned on me. I'm like, it's, it's, it's quite different right now. And we're there. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of uncertainty compared to last season. I'm curious what, what you saw today. And then maybe big picture, like, 
is this O-line going to get it done? Are they going to have to bring in someone? Like, do you think it goes that way? What are your thoughts generally on this offensive line unit, specifically on the interior? We don't got to worry about the tackles um, heading into this season. I think as long as they stay healthy, they'll be okay. And, I mean, you, you can say that about every unit across the National Football League, right? But when you, when you talk about losing a guy like Ryan Jensen, you know, you're not just talking about the physical ability and even the bond with the quarterback. You're talking about the leadership role that he carries on that offensive line and and how he really brings – it's it's almost like a magnetic energy where, you know, when he's on the field, he brings those five guys together figuratively and literally. And so when he leaves – uh, there, that's a big hole to fill, it. and 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 Robert knew that, but he's been training all offseason for that exact opportunity. Now he planned on coming in, competing to be a starting left guard, not competing to be the starting center. But you know, preparing for for a starting job is preparing for a starting job. And at the end of the day, you know, there, there's an old saying that you know what a lot of people will call luck is actually what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And this is an opportunity for Robert. And, you know, I have it on good authority from other people that he has been spending all offseason. He's been working out with AQ Shipley and doing other things, preparing for that opportunity. So this, so his, his, his standing with the team right now has nothing to do with luck. It's everything to do with him being ready when the door opened and the door opened. Unfortunately, in this league, a lot of times when that door opens, it means somebody else is getting injured. Else, you don't yeah. wish that on anybody by any means. But I think he's holding his own. You know what I mean? He's doing really well. Uh, we're hoping to talk to Coach uh, Lori Locust tomorrow. Uh, about trench play, not just about her D line, how Keem and and Logan are fitting in, but also how her guy, you know, her guys go against that line, yeah. and so uh, they're evaluating that as well, and kind of how from a defensive side, uh, how they view uh, those guys across the line of scrimmage. Obviously, it's, it's all going to be good, you know what I mean? But how good and what she says, I think, uh, will hold some weight. And then that left guard position, I mean, you know, something that's not being talked about maybe as much as I expected it to is the fact that Nick Leverett has been getting uh, time with the ones. At left guard the last two days. Now, how much of that is Aaron Stinney not holding the position, you know, and how much of that is Luke Gedeke maybe not catching up as fast as, as people had hoped? Or is it possible that Luke Gedeke is actually catching up, uh, you know, or maybe even surpassing Aaron Stinney and basically are putting Nick Leverett in there as a placeholder until they're ready to firmly put Gedeke in with the one? So that's that's definitely something worth monitoring because, you know, as a rookie, and you guys know this, like if they put Luke Gedeke in with the ones, and then next week they pull them out of there. What's going to happen? Everybody's going to start talking bust. They're going to start talking disappointment. They're going to start talking all these things. So if they have some internal confidence and get a key, okay, that's great. But let's ease him into it and let's make sure that when we put him in there, we're ready to leave him in there for the long haul. Because you don't want to put a rookie and take him out with the first team. So that's something that, you know, again, I'm, I'm a little surprised not a lot of people are talking about Leverett being in there with the ones. But, you know, there, there's a couple of different reasons why that could be happening. So maybe that's why it's not getting as much traction. David off the top rope with the Jedi mind tricks, man. That's veteran savvy thinking. The fact that you go that deep, uh, David, thanks so much for your time, dude at D Harrison 82 on Twitter. You got to follow him. If you're into the NFL, especially if you have any interest in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Washington commanders, um, commander country. Is it, is that the SI commanders? It is commander country. I think it's SI.com slash Washington. I think that's what the URL is. Gotcha. And you can find commanders. Awesome. And then Locked on Bucks, probably the second best Buccaneers podcast going um, <laughs> Absolutely. in the nation. Fantastic work, man. Got to be got to be uh, your second listen every day, each and every day. You, oh, and James yeah. are, you and James are killing it, man. So uh, anyway, David Harrison, if you're not following him, you're an idiot and you'll stay that way if you don't start. <laughs> um, we'll talk to you soon, my dude. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Man. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Man. Have a good night. Thank you. Great you insight, too, my guy. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, back to the regular cast of losers. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, that was great. It's so like the first day of training camp or like the first day of like this joint practice must have been just I, I just can't even imagine what was going through his head because there's just so many questions out there, right? And then you add in Hainsey going down for a little bit there. Like it's just a wild day. I'm sure he's kind of the fact that he's not just reeling after that. Dude, and I, and I want to talk uh, – Dog's best friend here with a question about Kate Otten. Um, I will get to that, but I do want to kind of just keep discussing the O-line a little bit because uh, I think it's like – so I want to talk to you guys about this. Like, we constantly talk about uh, about Brandon Thorne when we reference offensive line rankings and play because he's just, in my opinion, the most, like, objective – well, he's the trench the coat. coat. Yeah. yeah. Um, trench coat. Yeah, Scott, Scott loves that one now. He, like, I, it he just looks, really, it's really good. It's really man. good. Like, it's, it's just really super solid. What can I say? I know, but it's like Scott must have missed that like last year, like three I times. did. A hundred percent I did. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Brandon Thorne, I don't know how I missed it. He uh, he updated his, his O-line rankings. And the Buccaneers last year, I think they were top three overall. Like oh, maybe even one or two. Like, don't quote me on that. They were 15th this year, coming into this year. Um, and and, and what's, that, what's that about? Because well, so the Jensen injury could be post Ryan Jensen, right? Your your entire interior of offensive line has changed, right? You go from having an All Pro, argue a top three guard in the whole league, in Ali Marpet, he's gone. He was here last year. We talked about but it a lot. You we replaced him with Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason's on the right side, so he replaces Alex Kappa. Yeah, true, true, oh. true. So left side is going to be replaced with a second round rookie, Luke Gedicky. Or he's going to be replaced with a guy who started like three football games in his career at the NFL level in Aaron Stinney. Okay, so that's a big question yeah. mark. Even though Bucks fans, myself included, like what we've seen from Stinney. It's all just... I'm saying is that I, I'm not trying to disagree with the trench goat at all. I'm just saying going from Ali Marpet on one side and now having Shaq Mason on the other side, I don't know if that means you're dropping 12 spots. But yeah. I like that and I agree. Um, yeah. But Ali Marpet is like, like no, cream no. of the crop. Shaq Mason's damn good, but he ain't Ali Marpet. No, clearly. Um, but then you combine that with the other side. Then, um, sorry, and then the center position, though, right? So these two yeah. crucial positions. You're going from this is probably the biggest thing for him, right? He's a huge Ryan Jensen guy. He calls him the best center in football. Yeah, uh, he loves. Yeah, his... that's 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 it. Like I know it's yeah. a big drop, but you know maybe they're fifth with Jensen or something like that. Like he's, he means that much. And especially yeah, yeah. if he's that big of a, a Jensen guy, like you could see that being the reason for that, such a, such a drop off. Right. For sure. It's the O-line is the O-line is the thing that's going to keep you up in at night. Hey, yeah. That's, and that's and it for this team and keep you up in on the field though. Keep you up in the field, bro. Yeah. No, I mean, just for you as like a Bucks fan. Oh, like, oh, is that the thing that you're gonna be? Because I feel yeah. like going into this, we are we are making fun of you being like, "Oh no, Gronk isn't here," and it's like, yeah, "Okay," yeah. but you have so many weapons. Like, no, and, and, this and, isn't and that big of a deal. And, and do you want no, when the I line's need, big? When I yeah yeah thanks Scott. Um, fair, fair. But when I need to talk myself off that old line ledge, I just fall back on how the the insane clip that Jason Light is evaluating that position on. And I don't want to yeah. devalue the rest of the scouting department and John Spytek and all the team scouts. But whatever system Jason Light has in place to evaluate offensive linemen, that dude is the best in the league at drafting good ones, maybe next to um, Andrew Barry in Cleveland. But I don't think Andrew Barry drafted all those guys, so that's not even fair. 
and he finds mm. gems like Ali Marpet in the second, third rounds, yeah. like Alex Kappa. And hopefully, hopefully Luke Gadecki is one of those guys. And hopefully Robert Hainsey is one of those guys. And that would be two of the players potentially who are going to be sliding into those spots. The other thing that's important, right? The, the big reason why the interior offensive line is so important is because Tom Brady's your quarterback, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so if it comes up the interior, you're fucked. Like yeah. he can do his little shiftiness in the pocket. He ain't running anywhere. He, he'll step up, step back. But if you're coming right in his face, there's nowhere Tom can hide. And he helps your O-line because he gets rid of the ball quickly. But that's why it arguably is even more paramount for this team in particular than any other with the with the uh, with the lack of continuity along that interior. So just kind of spitballing here, speaking on behalf of Brandon Thorne, and just how it's kind of got me thinking, like, maybe I've been a little too confident. Maybe we got to see what happens. But anyway. I think that's all fair, though, man. And the Brady, the Brady aspect is huge. And you need to – basically decide like, okay, yeah, when the pressure comes up the middle, that's the worst as for, for his production and everything. Cause like you said, he can just do that little shimmy step up in the pocket when the outside rush comes and it's like, no one was even there, but he also knows he's seen everything. He's going to know how to get the ball out quickly. He's going to know, uh, you know, where a weak spot is, where to send help on the line. And so it's, I hate to be like, oh yeah, but they have Tom Brady or this is a thing, but they have Tom Brady, but it's all related and it matters. So he just masks or he can cover so many holes or at the very least put band-aids on them until you have like legit solutions. Right. So I, I don't think it's unimportant. I think it's, it's very important and you, and you want to be a solid everywhere, but it's just like, I just trust that they'll figure it out enough for him to have enough time and give the ball to one of his insane receivers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love I, I it. Totally know, I, I totally know. Yeah. I totally, I totally know what you mean, and I would normally be with you. But pressure consistently getting to Tom Brady up the middle is probably the one trump card. Totally. That That's, every every defense has been trying to do that to him for years because it's yeah. the one thing that works for right? sure. Yeah. So and that's that's fair. That's beyond fair. So it's it's a it's for me as like someone who's going to be watching so many Bucks games. I feel like that's the thing that I'm just. I'll constantly like if it doesn't work out, we're just gonna constantly be like, this could have been an awesome year, but yeah, this you're like, right. This thing happened. Well, that and last be. week, last week, Bo, like we we were briefly discussing Scotty's internet went out or something, but the JC Treader option, right? You got a Pro Bowl center who's yeah. unsigned right now. Do you roll the dice with Hainsey? Because if you bring in JC Treader, then he's your guy. Like you got to start him. He ain't coming here to back up a second year, third round pick, right? You know converted from tackle in college like that's just not going to happen so you almost have to commit to him so it's anyway i'm glad hansy isn't hurt i had i had to drop a piece on it today about him potentially being hurt they didn't know what the injury was he was carted off and then halfway through writing the piece like uh rapaport said it just cramped so i had to switch the whole vibe of the article um shout out jc allen by the way our friend of the show over uh doing great work as always over at pewter report uh nice to have him tuning in with us yeah no kidding um we'll have to get him on again soon i actually hit him up to see if he wanted to to get in here for the second half of the show but uh fellow father like us gentlemen you know how that goes at bedtime so that's all there is to it um dog's best friend what is good dog's best friend says otten is impressing how good do you think he can be seems better than advertised um otten is impressing and he's impressing in the ways that like like so we had laurie fitzpatrick of usa today touchdown wire on and she she wrote a big piece about kate otten and she, her whole she's not she doesn't cover the bucks she just wrote it because she was like wait 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 wait. this dude fell to the fourth round what the fuck 
like she was like let me dive back into this she's like because she remembered him being such a big a talented prospect uh the year prior um and she was super optimistic about kate otten's future in the league and she thought it was an absolute steal for the bucks now coming into training camp fast forward to where we are now otten has done everything asked of him all of his coaches are speaking of him in a really positive light. And I know some people might say like, Oh, what the hell does that mean? Coaches are always going to say that it's not how it works with rookies around Tampa Bay. Like they'll call them out. They'll say if they're behind, like that's one kind of refreshing aspect of how they handle the media often. Uh, Todd Bowles, especially isn't praising anyone who doesn't deserve it. The thing I love about Otten is he is good at blocking and he's good at receiving. Like he's just, he's well-rounded, right? He can be an inline blocker. He can be a good inline tight end, which fits this team. And, and the fact that everyone's talking about how quick he's picking things up, I mean, that's going to help him in a big way. I love the Rudolph signing because it takes pressure off Otten and it takes pressure off Brait. Um, in terms of how good he is, I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna say worst case, he's going to be Austin Hooper. Worst case. Dude, that's not bad. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And, yeah, Austin Hooper was a pro bowler at a point. Like, yeah. A little, a little short-lived, but that's what I'm going to say that for sure. It's actually, a pretty, it's actually a pretty bold statement. That, yeah, you know was, what I mean? Yeah. Like kind of thinking about Hooper. Yeah. Yeah. Calling him a pro bowler. And he's a fourth round pick, right? Worst no case. Shit. So, yeah. Seriously. But but okay. we, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stand by that one. I obviously dug into him a fair bit myself. Cause I was, um, thought there was a real good chance the bucks would have interest in him come draft. So I, I, I was, am able to say I myself was fond of what I saw as well. Um, speaking of guys who have impressed Jalen Darden, um, apparently, it's been looking good, and he's got to show it when the when when the season starts. You can't even say when the pads come on. That dude's got to show it when the season starts. But apparently, he continues to make plays, so that's nice to see uh, and hear. And I hope I hope he does well, man, because I've been hard on Darden after after that. A lot of people have. So, is there uh, anything on uh, Rashad White? Yeah, so Rashad, the depth, the de- what I've learned from like working with guys like David at SI is like. You know, when the depth chart comes out, you don't read too much into it because the way, like how he just described that, is a perfect example. You know, they, they if they if they declare like a young player too high up, then if they need to remove, they can't do that. It's disrespectful to the veteran. So that's a big element of it. Hey, Autumn, um, or is that Austin? That's no, it's, it's no, that's my dog situation. We just we have my buddy's dog now. There's our son's oh, right. asleep. There's a lot going on. Yeah, but that is that was Autumn actually. Autumn and Zion back there just playing one on one hoops. I think. Nice. That's Love good. It. Good timing. Good. I'm, I'm glad they're uh, I'm glad they're ratcheting down for the night. Oh wait. <laughs> I, I actually forget completely what I was saying. Real professional in me. I distracted myself. I can't even blame that on your dogs. Um, I was going we're, somewhere. We're talking about Rashad White. And- oh right, right, right. Late. So, yeah, Rashad, Rashad White's looked great. Everyone knew, I think, everyone who watched him in college, like Thor Nystrom was huge on Rashad White as a pass catcher. He's doing that, but he's also apparently running the ball, and he's got decent size to him. Um, he wasn't the second back listed on the depth chart, but, again, that's what I'm referring to. That's what I was getting at when I say yeah. um, that's the way she goes sometimes. I feel so. like I've been seeing a few tweets about Geo and Preston quite, as, uh, quite a lot I have too, too. lately. So. Yeah, I mean, Gio's an interesting one, man, because if Rashad White ascends and kills it, then all of a sudden, if he becomes that that third down receiving back, yeah. uh, then Gio's, Gio's in trouble. But I'm still That's glad he's it. here. I would hate to see that because I kind of respect Gio for coming back. But um, I'm pretty shocked he did. I mean, not that I knew what his other options were or anything like that, but it seems doesn't it seem a little bit wild that he's still on the team? Well, he came back before they drafted Rashad White. 
So yeah, I know, no, but I know, I'd but still, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it still just seems like a guy that would have just been there for a year and like. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think because he was, I think he was banged up and missed time, and he didn't produce in a way he knows he's capable of playing in this offense with Tom Brady. Check down Tommy. Like I think he knows he could have lit it up in the right role, and now that Rojo was yeah. out of there, I, th- I think it made a lot of sense. I'm not. I think yeah, without Rojo. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I don't want to force any 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 stuff. We're we're coming up on 50 minutes here, and we had a great guest. So I don't know if any of you guys have anything you want to hit on before we dip on out of here. But I think we're we're at that point of the show. I just yeah, I just want to say like to get the guys that are actually on the ground and seeing what's going on and just the dynamic uh, like throughout the team and how everything works. Like it, that's so great to hear about. You know what I mean? Like. David was talking a lot, like and getting a lot of uh, nuggets. I feel out on the pod. I was like, "That's important." And I know a lot of the, you know, people don't answer questions that truthfully during during the preseason. It's like, yeah, yeah, everybody loves their team and blah blah blah. But to speak to the guys that are actually seeing what's going on, seeing who's getting the reps, and having a like a real pulse on the team is so great. Is so great. It's like just like just awesome to hear from our point of view because we're just going yeah. off tweets going off reports right and it's it's so much different to actually hear people who who have actually seen what's going on so 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 great to have on the show yeah it's nice when you can ask him about a player and he's like oh i talked to him today and yesterday <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly awesome yeah and we've got other like guys. it's also like the observing of it because like i i know they get a lot of availability with the guys but also there's so much nuance, so much reading between the lines of just yeah. the form on a play-to-play basis and seeing when the coaches are pulling them and what they're saying, like what you're able to overhear, what you're not able to overhear, what they're reacting to. It's just, yeah. it's it's a tough job. So, yeah, it's yeah, sweet to get them It's on. awesome. For sure. And, like, you know, Bucks game day, uh, we're credentialed. We, we got lots of guys. Logan's been at camp. Caleb Skinner, who's in the comments, has been at camp. And hopefully uh, – I won't be able to make it down to camp this year. It's a big summer for your boy, as you two know. Um, what do you mean? Probably all- What's going on? <laughs> we're all we're all reeling from that, actually. Yeah, we're yeah. all hungover oh still. <laughs> we had my bachelor party this weekend. None of us wore our, our shirts, so we'll have to bust those out at some point. One of us will. I actually week. have it on underneath. Oh, come on, show us this. It's show a quality it. shirt. Yeah, Mine's in the wash because I wore yeah. after the bachelor party. It was one of the only T-shirts I had. We'll sh- oh, we'll show God, you. How the we'll get, party went. We'll That's get that 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 custom symbol circulating around uh the bucks Cap- twitter fucking um, captain ron was in was in tough shape on sunday boys oh my god <laughs> the drive yeah. home was fine and then as soon as i got home it was like all right you've reached a spot where you don't have to think anymore and it's like just shut it down it was unreal yeah yes i hear that uh dog's best friend <laughs> on the next the next greg olsen i like that one Dog's best hey. friend, man. You, you bring in the heat. Keep bringing these comments. That's good, it. man. We could call it's it worst case game. Austin Hooper, best case Greg Olson. I certainly like the comp in terms of the style of player. Um, so yeah. that's cool. Anyway, next week, not sure which guests we have. We're going to keep that keep that around, but there's a good chance we have a guest and some fresh – we'll definitely have fresh content to cover. So, as always, thanks so much to everyone who, who chimed in live on YouTube, watched on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, whatever – uh, or if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, we certainly appreciate it. Please make sure you're checking out um, all of our written coverage of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Sports Illustrated's only website dedicated specifically to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, BucksGameDay.com. You'll find David's work there, my work there, a whole bunch of other great writers. Uh, and until next time, go Bucks.